Well, it's wonderful to be here. It's, uh, I think that this is uh, the best place in the world. If I will be looking for another defection destination, I think that Badrum is uh, definitely a winner. Uh, I was just looking at a Turkish newspaper. It said that six people out of 1,000 believe what's written in the newspapers. <laughs> Can you imagine? Six people. And they don't have a Nazi propaganda radio, how do we have an NPR in the United States, or PBS, which is the only truth about that would be BS, I think. <laughs> so today we'll talk about a little bit. I, <clears throat> I was just teaching this semester in in University of Dallas in Texas, yes, and was speaking in all tea parties all over the, the state of great state of Texas. And uh, <clears throat> it was in Sherman, Texas, that's uh, kind of in the middle of nowhere. And one lady said, you came here, you're like Sarah Palin. And they said, why you like, don't look like that? And she said, you came here to scare us. And that's exactly what I will try to do, because I wish somebody would come and scare Russians in 1917, or Chinese in 1948, or Cubans in 1959. Uh, they were not scared enough, so they conducted this deadly experiment on themselves. Well, for those who don't know, don't know me, that <clears throat> I have quite a bizarre background. I worked um, for Soviet government. Well, worked is a great overstatement of my activities. <laughs> as, as one of economic advisors, nobody listened to. And look what happened. The too big to fail was definitely Soviet Union. Eleven time zones, one-sixth of the world surface, and failed miserably, failed miserably. <clears throat> And then I defected to the United States and, uh, uh, to find myself working for the second largest bureaucracy of this planet, for the federal government, in a congressional think tank, which, like all congressional think tanks, didn't think at all, but were tanking quite a lot. <laughs> so that's, <laughs> interestingly enough, that, uh, that uh, almost everything, human relations, style of work, was exactly the same as back in Moscow, as back in Moscow. So no work that was great, that no work was done. No work was done. So today, I think that we'll <clears throat> talk um, about it's, uh, every academic conference, I think, to be truly academic, should have uh, at least one presentation completely out of step. And I'll try to, to make this out of step presentation. Well, at first, we will talk probably about, about um, what is socialism? After Nicola, it's difficult to talk about this. Um, and he quoted that Pareto was pessimistic about our future. And there is a Russian saying that pessimist is a well-informed optimist. And Pareto definitely was. And I would say that, that socialism is no such thing as socialism even. It's uh, just slavery. It's just slavery. In my, in my work, I also, I, I never use the word communism because communism was um, just a secular religion. It was never achieved. And many socialists would say, well, we're not communists, we are socialists. Socialism is better than communism. Communism like fascism or something. Right, however, it's, uh, it's definitely, definitely uh, utopia. Uh, it's a secular religion. That's why communists were so much, uh, socialists were so much against other religions, other religions. That's what <coughs> Karl Marx, was trying to profess that we will hunt in the morning, fish in the afternoon, rear cattle in the evening, criticize after dinner. And uh, <clears throat> that would be the, the Neverland, which would never be 
achieved, never be achieved. Uh, well, um, Murray Rothberg, uh, he, um, several times he talked to me that I should write, uh, I should write a history of economic thought of Russia, that this would be a period, because uh, not many people know where the, the, what kind of economists uh, existed before, before the 1917. And one of these economists was Bogdanov. He was a Marxist in the beginning of his life, and then turned to Austrian school after reading Bombavik, the, the closure of the Marxist system. Um, and sure enough, he was absolutely right that any government, any government, uh, whether socialist or not, is parasitism and destruction, and nothing else. So you can have smaller governments, smaller parasitism, smaller destruction, or big government with total destruction and total parasitism. Uh, sure enough, for this kind of quotes, he was shot in 1923. And <coughs> uh, this other individual who you see that Time magazine uh, greatly honored and whatever, was the man of the year, uh, he, was the, 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 he was the one who realized, well, Lenin did, but Stalin especially, that the only way to make that system work of the big government is to kill. To kill, and, as, and the more you kill, the more efficient you are. Um, and I got a small grant in working in the Library of Congress on a very interesting archive of General Volkogonov. There was a, Dmitry Volkogonov was a Soviet Army general, and commander of the Institute of Military History of the USSR. And he was kind of a propaganda hitman. Anytime he would be on Soviet TV, I would switch him right, right away. I couldn't believe that, that this very person, since 1981, was making highly legal copies of everything going through his desk. And then he moved everything to the Library of Congress. Um, <clears throat> he was a US ambassador, offered him help of the CIA to do that. Well, his point was that if CIA wants to read this archive, they can get the reader's card and go to the Library of Congress. So, so it is available. However, nobody knows about this. And this is an amazing handwritten materials by Lenin, Stalin, Trotsky, um, Gorbachev, uh, Yeltsin, uh, all, all leaders of, of the former Soviet Union and, and Russia today. And uh, it's amazing to look at these memos. Uh, for example, Lenin, he's, uh, he's writing in 1921 that uh, I'm telling people and they don't do anything. So what if we will, dear comrade Zerzhinsky, what if we will take a couple of them and shoot them publicly? And they did, and then people began to work. And socialism began to kind of like to, to, to tag along. <coughs> then the same Lenin is writing, um, one person is writing to him, well, you, 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 issued a letter that we should fight religion. How we can fight religion, dear comrade Lenin? He's writing on the same letter, dear comrade imbecile, kill religious people, that's how. And they did, and they did. And so this mass murder was, uh, was, uh... <laughs> so then, <clears throat> during the, during the socialist experiment of 74 years, the murder toll in the Soviet Union was anywhere from 43 to 61 million people. I don't even care whether it's 43 or 61, it's just these numbers are completely overwhelming. And Stalin used to say, um, death of one person is a tragedy, death of millions is just statistic. 
just statistic. Another kind of thing, he would say that every problem has a man lurking behind it. No man, no problem. That's, not many people realized that they were, that they were reprinting backwards Pravda and Izvestia and other major newspapers and replacing them in public libraries. For example, this is Comrade Yezhov, who, who was a great murderer himself on, on his watch, about 11 million people were murdered. Uh, then he was murdered himself, and then all pictures and all newspapers mentioning his name were reprinted without his, his name, without his picture, and so, and so he, uh, uh, he kind of never existed, never existed. So, uh, <clears throat> Soviet Union, China, uh, it's a very interesting work done by Rudy Rammel, who is professor of demographics in the University of Hawaii, about democide, about death by government, how many people were murdered all around the world. And he came up with the numbers, about 177 million people murdered by just socialist governments. Not in the wars, but, uh, but uh, just to prove that socialism works. Uh, two patterns, we talked about that uh, several times. Von Mises, he made the point that two patterns of socialism, uh, one pattern is Russian pattern, uh, that when everything, all means of production belong to the state. In another German, when property rights are formally acknowledged but, um, but do not exist. It's just owning title of properties like owning um, wetlands in the United States. So you cannot do much with that at all. Uh, that's kind of the type of socialism that we are moving to. That's another favorite of Time magazine. And uh, <clears throat> Then, uh, however, it's, uh, it's kind of a, uh, say a, a pretty sad Russian saying that the only lesson of history is that it does not teach us anything. And it's really true that today we have a revival, revival of, of, of socialism, of Soviet type of socialism, not only of German type of socialism, but Soviet type of socialism. And uh, <clears throat> this is an interesting article that uh, I was reading uh, uh, dreams of my father uh, by, by our dear leader in, in Washington, D.C. And, uh, and he referred to his, uh, very reverent to his father. Uh, so I looked at what his father was writing. And this is an amazing, amazing article. It's uh, Problems Facing Our Socialism. Uh, it's, it was published in uh, East Africa Journal in 1965, in which um, Barack Obama senior um, is making a point that we shouldn't have socialism like they had uh, in the Soviet Union. What we should have, we should have taxation of 100%, 100% taxation, and then give people what they want. However, some people would try to take more, so we should actually define what they really want. And, <laughs> and this is a, and this, uh, with this kind of message, I think his son is a, Succeeding very, uh, very, very, uh, <clears throat> very efficiently, he is being criticized by the left that he is not going far enough or whatnot. I think he, he went far enough. <laughs> In two years, I think that's already our movement towards uh, both types of socialism uh, was stunning. Was stunning. Government ownership is just exploding. That's that socialism is. It's government ownership on the means of production. We have. Uh, government motors, we have 
practically nationalized financial service industry, uh, nationalized healthcare, which is the largest industry in the United States. Uh, so we, can, we are going there. Uh, um, he has uh, the same in the same magazine. He has, and he has, uh, and he has a. Uh, he has the same stern look uh, of beloved leader. <coughs> that's the, uh, as you can see, that. <laughs> another person of the year. This I made specially for Tom DiLorenzo. It's a, <laughs> a pretty nice picture. Uh, then, uh, what uh, they are doing right now, I think that they're trying to smuggle socialism by destroying, destroying the economy, by inflating, and by borrowing like there is no tomorrow. And the government is spending right now, I would say, as a drunken sailor, but that would be a slander against drunken sailor, who, who would spend his own money, uh, rather than, than federal government, which is borrowing uh, not only from foreigners who do not vote for them, but also from the future generation. Because recently an interesting article in Financial Times if you would be interested, email me and I will send you a link um, about um, a seminar conducted by Goldman Sachs in New York for federal officials about issuing a 100 years maturity bond. Can you imagine? So 100 years maturity bond. So we will borrow not only from our children, not only from grandchildren, but from their grand-grand-grandchildren. So that's the... <coughs> the uh, it's, it's, it kind of shows that Mr. Bernanke, however, when he was asked whether he supports it or not, he said that he is undecided, he is confused. <laughs> and, and, uh, <clears throat> so that's the... <clears throat> um, uh, Hayek, I think, was absolutely right when he was making a point that government um, is through so-called democratic process, it corrupts people, it creates clients, it provides parasites with a, with a means taken from producers, taken from, from producers. I was watching, um, Hayek is absolutely right on this. Oh, that's the wrong Hayek. <laughs> so, he was, he was absolutely right about that. And, uh, uh, I was just watching, I don't watch TV usually because I'm not paid for that. I'm like 6%, 0.6% of Turks. So, uh, but uh, once I was just watching it somewhere and um, they were asking a guy who was supporting Rod Blagojevich. You know that politicians, some politicians are really funny. I'm, I'm missing George W. Bush, not just because he is not a Bolshevik but Menshevik, but also... <laughs> Also because he's pretty funny, I think. Yeah. That's I kind of missing. The stern look does not replace this fun of, of his presidency. And his, his father especially, remember George Herbert Walker Bush? He was, I think, the funniest, right? Remember how he threw up on Japanese prime minister and, <laughs> and did a lot of other things like that. So, uh, <clears throat> uh, so that's the, speaking about, about that, what, what do they do? And Rod Blagojevich is supported by many people in Illinois. So they're asking, uh, why would you support such a crook? And crook he is. Uh, and one gentleman, he said, uh, he gave me a free bus ticket. Free bus ticket. So you can buy a person with a bus ticket. You just give a free bus ticket, and these people would be already 
already clients of the state, clients of the state. Today in the United States, not many people realize that 50 and a half percent of people are paying taxes. Half of the population is not paying any taxes. Uh, then, uh, well, they're paying what kind of uh, sales tax or whatever, but, but no income tax. 50% of people not paying income tax. 47% uh, of people are beneficiary of this or that government program. So it's uh, almost half of the population is, was, is put on the needle of, 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 of federal dependency. Uh, I was uh, <coughs> recently in Puerto Rico and uh, I was absolutely amazed for me as labor economist to find out that labor participation rate in Puerto Rico is below 40%. So we're not even talking about unemployment, we're talking about, about people completely on federal dole. Because Puerto Rico, for example, the, the GDP per person, whatever they have for the statistics, it's also fake, but it's about $10,000 per year. Federal poverty line is $23,000 per year. So, so that only kind of combats imbeciles would work in Puerto Rico. That doesn't make any... any <clears throat> then, nationalization of health care. That's the most, I would say, the most atrocious thing that people can believe in. And so then, um, this is a, a headline from a Russian newspaper that now we have a private healthcare system and socialized one defected to the West and kind of thriving there, thriving there. Uh, why this is the most awful thing? Because this is the way for the government to nationalize your bodies, to nationalize your, your well-being. Then you are completely hooked on the government, on the, on the government um, um, charity, I would say, charity. Um, and people believe, and, and it was sold to the people that, that we, should, uh, we should cut on spending, that, that we are spending too much on health care, uh, which is completely absurd. I mean, they, we spend about 16% of GDP on health care today. Uh, for example, in Russia they spend 4%, but 11% they spent on booze. So should we, instead of health care, spend, spend on booze more or whatever? Then uh, it doesn't make much sense. Today's system is completely idiotic. Uh, however, the system which was passed last year by Congress is, is just outrightly atrocious. Outrightly atrocious. Because the only way to, 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 to save on health care is either to squeeze providers or to deny care. And the government put both. Um, and the most amazing thing is this position of many doctors who are really like uh, meat which voted for a meat grinder. They just want this, this to, to, the um, self-inflicted wound on themselves. So it is, <clears throat> it is the most awful kind of thing. This is socialized healthcare, say, in the Soviet Union. That's kind of, uh, that, that you can save on that and, uh, and spend 11% on booze. Uh, so that was the, the system. In, in today's Russia life, expectancy for men is 58. For women, it's about 70. So you can see that that's what socialized, that's, <clears throat> that's public slavery uh, where nobody is concerned about these slaves. Uh, in private slavery, it, it would be kind of, I would say, uh, irrational to destroy slaves. In public slavery, I mean, it's, with, uh, with its compassion of, 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 the, of, of DMV or whatever, any other or post office, uh, slaves were wasted. Millions of them, tens of millions of them. So that was the, <clears throat> that's, I think, is, is 
the, the greatest warning. Besides that, costs, costs are running kind of away, runaway costs in the United States. Uh, I would say if you will look the progress, it's, it's mostly techno technology. I mean, as, as economists, it's very interesting. It's mostly technology. That's why the costs are, are skyrocketing. If you will look in 1950, I mean, how much would you spend on uh, bypass surgery or hip replacement? There was no such thing, no such thing as, as, as what we can do today. <laughs> so this is, this is Soviet hospitals. And the most amazing thing is it's a kind of national public radio, PBS, uh, they are feeding us with BS produced by Mike Moore or other kind of uh, uh, socialist propaganda, hitmen. Uh, and the most amazing thing, I don't know whether you watch Sico. Sico, it's really sickening uh, because it's just lies, piled on lies. Um, as Lenin would say that you should say, tell lies, uh, put more lies on old lies, and something would stick. Something would stick. And the, the, the most atrocious thing I believe that many Americans believe in is the Cuban, Cuban health care, Cuban health care system. Uh, uh, I took many students to Cuba because Cuba is the best way to inoculate students against socialism. If you see it once, you never go back. You never go back. And you never would believe in, in socialism. Uh, and I have a friend in Cuba who was trained in Moscow. So since my Moscow days, and uh, <coughs> I asked him to talk to my students, and uh, he is kind of government official, so with a self-preservation instinct. And, uh, and one young woman, she said, uh, <coughs> she asked him, um, well, everything is so run down here, uh, real estate, everything, just in a very poor shape. But we heard that your health care is the best. And he said, yes, we have the best health care in the world. And it would be even better if we would have ambulances, if we would have clinics, if we would have hospitals, and occasional medicines. And sure enough, this is a, the ambulance in Cuba. And, uh, and, uh, uh, and amazingly enough also that when we were exiting from, that, from, from his, his lecture, he in Russian, he said, only healthcare we have is to swim to Miami, that's it. And, and that's exactly the, the same. This is a, this little dots are flies, flies. So this is a, a free healthcare for, for the masses. This is Cuban store, uh, exactly like the stores in the Soviet Union. And uh, everything else is rationed. I mean, you have a ration card and you can get uh, about one kilogram of beans or two kilograms of rice per month, per month, and 200 grams of vegetable oil. And I was surprised, what is that in, this, in these boxes? And I was told that this is baking soda. So they, that I'm surprised that they didn't appoint the baking soda manager to be a head of national economy, which was destroyed. I remember who was, the, who was the, the minister of national economy in Cuba. It was Che Guevara, Che Guevara, mass murderer. He murdered the economy as well. So this is real estate in Cuba. Uh, so it is... Uh, so Marxism, I would say that I kind of was very unkind to Marx, but there are some Marxists, I mean, well, I'm not even saying about Benjamin Marx, who is absolutely great, and uh, uh, with whom I was corresponding for a while. And Groucho Marx, I think, is Marx I can believe in. So this is the, uh, uh, the um, socialists, they all hate gold because gold would prevent them from inflating, from stealing, from debasing currency. 
so that was a, a billionaire in China who made this, uh, who was Lenin's follower, and Lenin used to say that gold is perfect to produce toilet commodes. Uh, for what reason? Because it's not, it's, it would not uh, corrode, it would be kind of um, uh, pretty durable. And when socialism will be all over the world, then we will build all toilet commodes uh, of, of gold. And so one of his followers in China, he built that. And amazingly enough, it was the price for this, for this um, object of art was $7 million when he made it, and now it's $28 million. So it is the best, <laughs> the best investment you could make. Then, uh, well, I kind of uh, uh, continuing this um, uh, tradition of showing Roman today. He showed his picture in U.S. Army with a guitar, and I found this on, my, on the hard drive of my computer. This I am in Soviet Army. Uh, so you could see that I, I, would, I would never make a military career uh, <laughs> in doing that. Then um, I looked at the other pictures. This uh, um, Hans, he just before, just before this, this, this lecture, he asked me, how do I, how do I feel? And uh, whether I'm kind of physically good. I said, well, I, I wish I would be 20 years younger. And then I looked at my computer just before and uh, found this picture, 20 years younger. Uh, you can see it, it was Murray was with us, and Lou Rockwell. And, uh, <clears throat> so it's, uh, uh, and this is my, my son here in Korea Princess. So we have, uh, he's a growing libertarian. So we will have, I think, uh, children in this church as well. So that's, <laughs> which is pretty good. And then to justify, to justify the, the title of, of my, uh, of my I would say, lecture with, uh, um, about uh, customs and condoms, uh, and I promised to Hans to tell this defection story. Some of you heard about it, uh, but, but uh, uh, many probably didn't. Uh, how did I end up in, in, uh, on the rotting capitalist decadent West? Uh, well, I worked in Moscow, and uh, my boss, who was the biggest economist in the world, we called him, he was even bigger than me, and uh, <laughs> about 400 pounds for sure, and uh, he called me to his office, and his name is Abela Ganbigan. He was, he was the advisor, the advisor, so he should take the blame. And uh, he all the time, it was also kind of funny, that he all the time would, would talk about, he was obsessed with it, like our president, uh, and, and Mrs. Clinton, he was obsessed with the Swedish model of socialism. Swedish model of socialism. He was all everywhere. He would say, well, that's what we need to follow. Perestroika is nothing but, but Swedish to, to build a Swedish model of socialism. And Mr. Gorbachev was already sick by that. And he said, and you know, I remember once he interrupted him, said, uh, Abel, well, you get all the Swedes. And, uh, <laughs> and that's, <laughs> sure enough, yes, how do you... Speaking about Swedish model, however, that today, uh, today Sweden is privatizing everything. Uh, it's amazingly enough, if you would look, that Swedish model today is way more freer than the model of the United States, economic model. Uh, so they have, uh, uh, they're privatizing public schools. Uh, they pri just privatized pharmacies, which shouldn't be nationalized in the first place, definitely. 
But they got rid of that. They are trying to privatize their health care, which is a very difficult thing to do. So I was uh, called by, by Mr. Gandigan. He said, you know what, uh, um, Gorbachev wants me to stay, and I was supposed to go to, to Finland on a lecturing tour, on a lecturing tour. I said, well, I'm sorry to hear that. Um, but, uh, and he said, uh, nobody knows what's behind this birthmark. And uh, sure enough, uh, uh, he was asked to stay, and I went uh, in the shoes of Deputy Prime Minister of the Evil Empire, went to Finland. And I was not planning to defect there. I don't like the word to defect. Defect means that to give up something you believe in, which was never the case with me, because my grandfather was murdered by Stalin, and my father's life was completely destroyed by that, and whatnot. And, and so uh, uh, Finland at that time, you, you remember maybe it was Finlandization policy, so-called. Finlandization policy is, um, was that Finns did not have uh, sovereignty over their foreign policy, of their foreign policy and military policy. So if you would try to defect in Finland, they would just return you back to the Soviet Union, and you would get 12 years of hard labor in Eastern Siberia, and I was not ready for that kind of career change at all. And uh, so I wasn't planning to defect, and, uh, in other words. Uh, and amazingly enough, uh, a lot of my colleagues came to my office when they heard that I'm going to Finland, which is considered to be kind of as a shining capitalist supermarket next door, uh, with almost everything you could buy in, in, Sweden, in, in Finland. And, uh, <clears throat> and everybody was asking me to bring them something. Um, and uh, the something was, amazingly enough, women usually would ask me, uh, women would ask me to bring either mascara or lipsticks, and as my secretary said, and the ugly ones are floppy disks. So they, 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 I had uh, from women, I had uh, orders to bring floppy disks, mascara, and lipstick. All men, however, were uniform in their desires. They wanted condoms. And for what reason condoms? Because that time everybody was scared of AIDS, of AIDS. Uh, and KGB, they had a special uh, KGB department of jokes uh, were, um, were spreading rumors that AIDS was invented uh, by the United States Army in Fort Detrick, Maryland, uh, and, and spread among Russians. Yes, and I remember I asked my, my sister, who is a immunologist, and she was just laughing like mad, thinking about how fun it would be if we would be all infected by Americans uh, with AIDS. Yes, with AIDS. I mean, the process of infection would be fun. And then, <clears throat> so everybody wanted that. Uh, and uh, in Finland, I bought a lot of that, of, the, of, the, of, of this, and I was not planning to defect. Uh, however, I had a speech in the Ministry of Finance, and, um, and after the speech, uh, everybody went to an adjacent room to eat, and I was thinking, oh, wonderful, they have food. So instead of spending money on dinner, I would just buy more of condoms and lipsticks and whatever else. <laughs> but I was attacked by by uh, people in the audience with more and more questions. And one gentleman was asking me, he was saying, well, uh, you're so critical to socialists, are you afraid of going back? And if I would say, no, I'm not, and that would be the case, I probably would still be in Moscow. Uh, but I, because I was, was pretty hungry and uh, uh, thinking that they will just finish everything, uh, so, um, so I, I kind of barked at him, I said, do you have other options? He said, well, if you're looking for options, uh, uh, then uh, we can do something. He said, go ahead and do it. And I remember I walked around him, 
and uh, I returned back to my hotel and there was a message called Walden Asap. I, I didn't know what Asap is, I thought maybe it's a Turkish person. <laughs> and and uh, when, I called, uh, when I called this number, I realized who is that because he was, uh, had this very deep voice and he said, let's go to Sweden tomorrow. Uh, and I was thinking, why to Sweden, why tomorrow? I opened my appointment book, I said, no way, I'm all booked. And then he said, so you cannot squeeze defection into your tight schedule. And then I realized what he's talking about. And, uh, and sure enough, I looked through my appointment book. I said, Friday. And he was laughing again, saying, Friday is defection day. I said, sure. <laughs> he said, that if I may ask why, I said, well, because I'm supposed to go back to Moscow. And then nobody would be looking for me. It just kind of came up. And, and then to make long story short, we crossed the borders. and. Uh, all kind of James Bondish way. Um, I walked into the U.S. Embassy in Stockholm, asked for political asylum, and Meningard said, okay, sir, but it's Saturday, come back on Monday. And, <laughs> and, uh, and then I was debriefed by all intelligence services of the West. Uh, they were, most of them were completely unintelligent. Uh, and uh, uh, even Swedish Peace Institute, you know that Swedish intelligence service uh, is, is disguised as Swedish Peace Institute. So speak about new speak, yeah, so that's the spies, uh, 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 peacemakers. Uh, <clears throat> and so I, to make again a long story short, I ended up in Kennedy Airport, in the Kennedy Airport three months later, uh, and uh, carrying two suitcases, because one I bought already one in, in Stockholm at the flea market, Western, with a more or less Western, because uh, the other one was, uh, uh, was full with condoms and lipsticks. And, <laughs> And, with, and, I, uh, and so when I, when I was going through customs, there was a, a, a very, very big lady, <laughs> and she said, can you please open that? And I opened the Soviets, because it looked very different, looked uh, 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 pretty ugly. And uh, so I opened that, and, and then she looked at all this, she said, if I may ask, is that for private use, or that's a... Uh, or that's, uh, Business samples or what? <laughs> and uh, I said for private use, even Soviet-trained economists would say private use. <laughs> so she, she looked at my passport. I had a Soviet diplomatic passport with a big stamp admitted as refugee. And so she said, but, oh, you're coming for good. I kind of looked at her inquiringly. She said, well, I wouldn't let you in with all of this for a weekend trip. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and then I, I asked her, uh, uh, should I open another one? She said, one is enough. <laughs> and then she actually smiled ear to ear and she said, welcome to the United States. And that was, uh, that was very, very nice, very, very nice. Well, um, uh, at this point I probably should shut up. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.